Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. still unbeaten since starting the show we absolutely need to keep recording welcome to the raw milk podcast let's have it Podcast episode three, and we are live. Thanks for joining us once again, everyone. My name's Josh Cook, and I'm joined as ever on my journey supporting Accrington Stanley with my good friend Callum Gibson. Gibby, how's it going, mate? Uh, not so bad, steady away, as well as you can be. Yourself? Yeah, absolutely fine, mate. Like I say, steady away. I do think that literally somebody very, very close to me could have had something horrendous happen to him, and I will. St- I would still always say, yeah, steady away, absolutely well, fine. That's the thing, isn't it? If you, if you meet someone, you say, how are you doing? If they say anything else but not so bad, your eyes start to roll, don't they? <laughs> well, actually, oh, here we fucking go. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not. When I say, are you, are you all right? That's not actually a question. That's yeah. just a greeting. Yeah. If, if, if you said to me, how are you doing? If, if my family had all dropped dead of, of AIDS and I had no arms and legs, I'd say, yeah, not so bad, steady away. Or if, yeah, if it, push, I'd better days, I'd a push. Yeah, but even then, I'm like, all right, I don't want your fucking life story. <laughs> Very true. Very erudite. Well, we are three weeks since we last recorded. It's the 10th of December. We're very much in the festive period, or I guess what should be the festive period. This feels like the worst Christmas I've ever experienced. Um, 
But looking at the plus side, we're still undefeated since starting the podcast. Very true, very true. Undefeated and I believe only conceded, what, three goals in the league and made progress in the Cups. So I'm not saying it is the podcast's fault, but uh, it's no coincidence. It literally isn't, and I think we can carry on this this argument for as long as that goes on. Um, We're about 36 hours away from travelling to Wigan, the bottom of the league, and have we just jinxed it? Probably, but I think we've said that already on the... On the podcast, and it hasn't happened. Yeah, so. You know what? You know, I texted you before the Shrewsbury game, and I said, Right, they've won one game all season. We're on the form of our lives. We've got a clean sheet run that's we've not seen for the best part of 20 years. They've just been taken to extra time midweek by a conference south team, and they had 10 men. Put your money on a Shrewsbury win. So, yeah, the, pe- the pessimist in you always looks out for these things, but uh, we'll see how we go. More optimistic this weekend, shall we say? I am optimistic, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. Um, I am lucky enough to have got a press pass again in my uh, capacity as Aki Observer, Stanley Reporter. So I'm looking forward to going. It, it, I mean, it's sod's law, really, isn't it? I think that looking at fixture list, that is, that's a, really a fixture that Stanley fans would have really enjoyed if we were allowed to go. That would have been a great day out, wouldn't it? I listened on Twitter the other day. You got direct trains from Aki to Wigan now. Um, there's loads of pubs near the town centre, you know. Um, obviously, it's local as well, Lancashire Derby. Um, it is one of those games that a lot of people, along with possibly, you know, the likes of Hull and Blackpool, people earmark at the start of the season, don't they? And for many, it's a new ground. I mean, I've been in the uh, the Chucker Turd, as I used to call it, the Checker Turd, Checker Trade. Ah, oh, I've forgotten that we played them in yeah, that, yeah. 4 0, yeah. And there's something spectacular about being able to sing, uh, you know, when they kick it over and everyone shouts Wigan. Uh, yeah, there's, there's something great about singing that at Wigan, um, <laughs> but uh, it's just a great shame, and it's one of these things. It's like uh, it's like with Bolton. It's you're excited to play them, but because because the turmoil at the club, it's, it's it, it possibly might be a blink and you miss it one. You know, if they go down again, we've missed missed the boat there. Um, I'm tempted though. Do you think if I made up some kind of fictional Accrington paper, they'd let me in the press box or the Accrington bugle? Yeah, I mean, what what would be the name of it? Oh. You could make up some sort of magazine, couldn't you? Like a Norai themed magazine. Yeah, Milnshaw Monthly. Um, yeah, that's these. Or oh, what's that one that that people give out for free for? The, is it the Herald? I've been Herald. Yeah. 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 Just say you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> the Hyman Herald. I'm doing a match report in between the uh, the carpet shop adverts and the terrible jokes. <laughs> we do love the Hyman. It's it's a one. It's one of them in it. I think that since. Well, there was a time when all these clubs were very much out of our out of our grips, really, in terms of that. But there's not that many Northwest clubs now where where we haven't really visited, is there? In some capacity, the ones that you think of were Bolton, Wigan, Blackpool, no. places like that, where they were they're a lot bigger than us. I guess the only ones left, realistically, are Blackburn and Burnley. Yeah, I mean, it's it's strange, isn't it? I mean, it's. Again, we've we mentioned on the podcast before, you get a bit blase about these big clubs sometimes. But, you know, Wigan Athletic, 2013 FA Cup winners. I can vividly remember watching that game. Uh, one of my friends at, uh, at uni at the time was a big Wigan fan. Um, so he was loving life. Uh, they played in Europe, obviously, the season after because of that. And uh, now they're, you know, bottom of League One. So it's funny, funny how the wheel turns. But Wigan are a strange one because there are Stanley fans of a certain ilk. 
who will have seen us play them many times because you know in the seventies they were uh, you know they were non-league. Um, they took Southport's place in the league in seventy-four when Southport dropped out, I believe. So we, we have played them uh, both as non-league clubs. So small little nugget for you there. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was looking back at the just on the Wikipedia page today because I, I spoke to the, uh, one of their podcasts uh, last night, and um, it's incredible seeing the rise. Really, absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, I think you do you do sort of forget just how they are a, a big and sort of well a well supported ish side, aren't they? I think that's forgotten when you look at sort of just how big the ground is, and they get absolutely nowhere near filling it. But if they had a ground the size of, I don't know, a ten thousand seater, you know, they'd be they'd be doing pretty well. Yeah, everything's um, relative, isn't it? I mean, um, um, sorry, go on. They're, they're always going to have that rugby town stigma, aren't they? That thing of you know, people of the, the rugby club's been you know a high flying rugby team for, for for probably well over hundred years. It's only the last sort of thirty forty years the football club's made any traction, but they are a big club. Um, and like you say, even at this level, if you're getting six seven thousand on. It doesn't look much on, on telly in a ground like that, but it's it's a big attendance for a team, you know, struggling in League One. It is, and and I mean that you've just mentioned that when when a team blasts a shot over at Bar and we shout Wigan, that might be the most sort of nuanced song in football. And I very much doubt that any away team has heard us shout Wigan and thought, "Oh yeah, the rugby league side." I bet, or at least it's took them a few seconds to get it. I bet half of them are just like. What? We'll have to go um, more niche and get sort of the main stand shouting "Witness Vikings" over and over again. You know? Yeah, let's just go deep into the doldrums of rugby league. Yeah, Rochdale Hornets, something like that. You know. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> Rochdale Hornets. Yeah. Christ. Yeah. So looking at them, then I mean, I don't want us to go through every uh, fixture because I don't really want it to be that sort of podcast because I think that podcasts that troll through those and go through sort of games are a little bit boring. Um, so we've drawn with uh, Lincoln uh, and we had 10 men for the best part of half an hour, thanks to a Sean McConville. Well, it was a bit of a joke of a red card, to be fair, weren't it? Um, but it was really good to get away with your point. I was at that game as well uh, for the paper and they had a lot of quality. I was really impressed with them. So... I were really chuffed when we managed to get a point out of that. Well, we said last time the, on the last uh, the last episode that uh, we'd had that good run of form, but the linking game with the, the, the acid test, weren't it? Because with all due respect to Swindon and Northampton, we were at a stage where you'd fancy us there. Uh, the linking game was a test, and to go 10 to 10 men and hang on like we did, as soon as that red card came out, I'd have, I'd have snapped both your arms off for a point. Um, and they didn't really trouble us that much. They had a lot of the ball, and they looked a good, strong sign, but I thought we kept them out relatively well, to be honest. We did. Um, it, it was it was a strange game, just even being sat with like the lads that were doing their, um, their social media and stuff, because it seemed that every single decision the referee made as well, one side, he seemed, he seemed to get it wrong for both teams. I, mean, I thought they they were fuming with the ref, but I think Stanley were fuming with the ref as well. Yeah, um, and that was shown when he blew up when they were pretty much running through on goal one on one, and he just blew for the end of the game. Right. It, it was a really strange game, and I mean that that just goes back to the, the sort of the level of officiating as well this season. I think I mean I don't know if they've been sort of 
getting pissed and eating loads while COVID's been going on. But the refs have been, they seem to have taken another dip this year. So much so that I think I've, I've seen that championship clubs have requested that they meet with the Football League next week to just discuss the standard of officiating. Um, but it was the same on MK Dons on Saturday. He just lost the plot completely. You're right, though, in terms of the, the Lincoln rep being, being poor for both teams. I mean, I watched it on I follow at home and uh, I, I, I stood out the arm and why the fuck have you done that when Cameron Burgess, you know, uh, you know, speared the centre-forward? Yeah. Most blatant penalty you'll see all season. And they didn't, you know, he didn't give it. So we got away with one there. And part of you thinks, is he trying to sort of redress the balance with that stupid red card for Sean? Um, or maybe he's a big fan of Sean's commentary on BBC Radio Anxious. So, he is decent. He is decent. Yeah, he's good. But the MK Dons game, again, they got it back to 1-1. Great run by the lad. Toby probably could have done better with the finish. And you think, right, this is an acid test now. Um, We've been pegged back. But again, those are the games you need to win. Those little scabby 1-0s, little 2-1s like that, if you're going to do anything in this division. And I thought we deserved, I thought we thoroughly deserved the the, the MK Dons win. Yeah, I thought we did. I thought it was a funny one because I... I mean, this is again. It, it's, it might just be me being a morning bastard, but you are a morning. there wasn't much quality in it again, and it's getting to the point now where I'm, we just did enough, and I think we just you, you beat what's in front of you, really. And we would we'll have, we've obviously got tired legs and stuff from playing a lot yeah. of double headers, um, and then Coley doesn't really make any subs yeah. either, so the starting eleven are always knackered. It's um, like a right luddite here, but I. Uh... I'm pretty old school. I was having this debate with somebody the, the other day, and I, 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 for me, the most entertaining thing is to win. As a fan, I mean, we're very lucky under Cole. He always tries to play, you know, attacking, flowing football. But if we kick lumps out of teams every week and won the league, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. I wouldn't lose sleep over it. The most entertaining. Oh thing yeah. To win every game. I mean, it's the point that I was making there was, from my perspective. It, oh, it was shocking of a game. Yeah, it went. I like it. There's not what I'm saying is that. It seems like week in, week out, I'm saying, oh, they're not really, they're not that good. Yeah. They weren't that good. I think the team now, the position that we're in, I think it is time to maybe just adjust our expectations because mm-hmm. for the first time ever, really this season now, I am thinking our priorities should probably change and we should really be aiming for that top six yeah. because from what I've seen, the teams in the bottom half of the division are shocking. Yeah. I mean, I got a bit carried away on, on Radio Lancashire the other day. You know, Brett Ormond was waxing lyrical over us and I, I, I sort of accidentally blurted out, I expect us to challenge for the playoffs. Now, I'm not sure if I believe that, but uh, there's no reason we can't. And when you say that the standard's been poor this year, you know, you've got to, you've got to think whether that's a reflection of the COVID situation because as professional as a player is, surely playing in front of a crowd gives them that extra 5-10%. You know, yeah. you make that lung-busting run, you put that extra challenge in. Not, I'm not saying players are, are purposefully switching off, but it's the same thing as you know, when you play a cup tie against teams three leagues below you. Subconsciously, sometimes you're just not quite right. But we're used to you know smaller grounds, smaller gates, and it affects the big clubs a lot more. You know, Sunderland going from 30,000 fans to nothing affects us more than going from you know 1,500 fans to nothing in terms of that atmosphere. Um, good as our atmosphere is for a small club. But I think... You know, it's our. It's, if we're going to be that Trojan horse, we'll never get a better chance than this season. I think. Yeah, I agree, and I think you know it, the, 
the two games that I have been in the ground, I guess on Saturday it'll be even more telling being in a bit more of a bigger stadium. But it does it does have odd sort of it does feel like a training match at times. Mm. It's very, very strange. Mm. So, yeah, like you say, I mean, this year's we're never going to get a better chance, really, to try to trying to get into that top that top six. And especially when we've got three games in hand, you know, it's and with the team, the side looks like it's just getting better as well. So, I mean, sky's the limit, I think, really. I think I was thinking about it today, knowing that we were going to record this. And, and I did think to myself, you know what? Yeah, let's let's just let's just change our priority and like you said on on the radio the other day, aim for that top six because why the fuck not? Yeah, fuck it. I say people say, oh, don't get carried away. Bollocks. Covid year, I'd fuck all to celebrate. You've got to get carried away. You've got to enjoy it. We could lose exactly. You know, we could lose every game. We're relegated, but what what you could be by a bus tomorrow. Let's go for it and dream big and think big because that's what Coley will be telling the lads. Yeah, um, you know, we're sat here now. It's 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 been it's made it worse for me the whole COVID thing with the fact that it's now the tenth of December. This is the time now where you know the nights are setting in properly. It's freezing cold. The weather's changed in the last week. You know this is the time now where we'd be having Christmas dues, where you'd be seeing your friends, where you'd be coming, getting gearing up to see your family, and it's just obviously it's not happening. That's really set in for me over the last couple of weeks and. I wrote about it in my uh, in the Observer the other week. I was I just thought, you know, if if twenty twenty has given us nothing, you know, let this Stanley team now going forward be our release. Let this Stanley team be the thing that sort of we look forward to. Let that be the thing that sort of keeps us going through the week because we know we can watch them at the weekend. And I think that we have the chance to do that in the league. And also we have the chance to do that. With the Chucker Turd that you just called it, or the fucking Papa John's Disney Plus, uh, whatever it is these days, you know, we're back in with a realistic chance of, of doing something in that. And how good would it be, you know, when I know you hear it said all the time, but when these restrictions are dropped, how good would it be to have a trip to Wembley to look forward to as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the uh, I always think we should call it the Portaloo Trophy because it was a lot of shit, but. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, you take it. You take any excuse to go to Wembley. Um, and again, you know, ninety thousand capacity. Even if COVID restrictions haven't haven't eased that much, surely there should be some some way of getting supporters in for that, especially the team as small as us. Um, oh, geez, Louise. I mean, they could just have the same, have no restrictions in there at all, and we'd still be able to social yeah. distance. I mean, if that happens, and you've got a press pass. I think that I should come as your apprentice. Um, there, there's got to be some sort of leeway on. Yeah. We are allowed two reporters into Wembley. Yeah. No, it's uh, like I said the other day. You know, everyone, everyone will start googling your know, helicopter rental near Wembley. You know, open top bus in Accrington, binocular hire. You know, they'll find a way. We get to Wembley. We'll find a way of Elka by Crook. There'll be some way of uh, at least getting down there, even if you're not allowed in the ground. Um, legally, legally permitting, of course. Socially distanced, of course. Yeah, if you're listening, Boris, you know he's, he's take it with a pinch of salt. He's not. He's not really going to do with that. <laughs> if you are listening, Boris, go fuck yourself. Just start sitting in there. 
Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, let's not get too political, but no, uh, up the Reds. Up the Reds. And also, you know, we're, we're already on about it. Can John Coleman be the man to take Accrington from uh, tier three to tier two, literally and metaphorically? That is excellent COVID banter. That is, that is well, that is the peak. We've peaked. May as well pack in there. Hey, do you know what? I guess I realise that I've just, I've just missed out then. What are you drinking tonight, if anything? And also, let's double up. What have you had for your tea? Right, so I pushed the water out today. So, you know, I don't want to fire up Poshgate again, but I'm drinking a, a can of uh, a, a beverage from uh, our friends in Emden Bridge, Night Jar Brewing Company. It's a, a kind of emotional support hamster. It's a 7% number, double dry up to New England IPA. Nice and fruity, nice and tight. And uh, for me tea, what did they have for me tea back in the midst of time? What did they have? Do you know what? I think I had a... a I just had some cereal today. I know that's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, had some crunching up cornflakes at about half six. Pure, that is pure. I can... Honestly, I mean, in two podcasts in, we've had egg on toast and cereal. I think we're going to have to be start doing like Christmas hampers for you. Yeah. Sounds like you're a... Well, well, Cole, Times are hard. Well, Cole's, got a, Cole's got a set of pipes on him, hasn't he? For that, uh, he was doing Step Into Christmas the other day, so he could stretch to a charity single, I'm sure. You could, I mean, yeah, but also that is negated by the fact that you're drinking a Hebden Bridge re, uh, Real Ale yeah. that's 7%, that's probably about £6 a can. Yeah, so if you think about the hops and yeast in that, they are quite, you know, as, as the government likes to say, a substantial meal. Yeah, that's a meal in itself. There is that, yeah. I mean, uh, this government counts, we're well, not going to go, I don't want to say government because I don't want it to be political, but they count a Scotch egg as a meal, so I'm, I'm counting my bowl of, uh, of crunchy nut egg on sauce as a, a veritable feast. They do. We were happy this week because we I go to the bridge in Burnley quite a lot. You you like it in there, will you? It's good in there, yeah. yeah I like it there. And they one of their things that they're famed for is just just serving a Scotch egg. My favourite Yorkshire pub. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully over Christmas, if 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 restrictions are eased in Lancashire, we can get there for a Scotch egg. Maybe. That's it. They also do like pie and peas. Oh, that is a top notch place. If you're listening the bridge, congratulations on a fine establishment. Excellent. I second that. Well done. Well done, the bridge. Okay, then, mate. So, we've done our little preview. We're aiming for the playoffs. We're doing all right. Um, in fact, my, well, what I'm drinking and eating is is less exciting. I'm on the council pop this week. Mm. That's where I'll stick in the, uh, the boo. And I also had, I had fish fingers and beans on toast. Mm. Which sounds odd, but yeah. for a twenty-five-year-old lad who lives on his own yeah, yeah. on Thursday night, so it's when I'm at the end of my tether and I'm yeah. just ready to collapse for the weekend. So, have you ever heard people describe beans on toast as a, a thousand skinheads on a raft? I heard that the other day. I just can't get that image out of my head. So well, that's me never eating that again. Raw Milk Podcast is proudly sponsored by Left and Right Creative. I can't tell you how much the lads have helped me with Raw Milk since its inception a few years ago. All of our fanzines and logos are designed by them. Everything you see with Raw Milk comes directly from their expertise. For simple, effective, creative design, visit leftandrightcreative.co.uk.
so I mean we're doubling up this week. So because we haven't recorded in three weeks and we've been getting hammered by uh, requests, I mean the podcast's only two hours old, isn't it? I mean I think you can you can do without us for one week. But so we've gone with a memorable match and a memorable player each. Is that correct? That's what you've got, isn't it? That is correct. That is correct. Thank God. I had horrible thoughts then that you thought you were going to say, actually, I haven't got a player or anything like that. Uh, so, shall we start with match or player? Let's go player. Okay, then. Memorable player. Do you want me to go first or yourself? Uh, you can do the honours today, I think. Oh. I'll do it first. First up, then. Okay, then. So, a man born in Liverpool like 99% of our playing staff over the last 20 years. On 13th of February, 1990, six foot zero inches. His name is Peter James Murphy. Do you remember him? I do indeed. We all do. We all remember Peter Murphy. And what's more, we remember of course we do. Murphy time. Murphy time, exactly. And that's pretty much why he's made it as my memorable player. The first person that sort of popped into my head today when I was thinking, who, who could I talk about that? He's, he's memorable, sort of following that um, that trend that we set last time out with with sort of players that really mean something to us and, and hit us with that bit of nostalgia. And, you know, really what he's, me- what he's, what he's remembered for are his goals, Aren't he? So, I mean, three that came off the top of my head today, just when I was thinking about it, were, I mean, the Morecambe winner, of course, that's been mentioned in every podcast I'm so just, far. I'm just ticking off Josh Cook bingo. So, three, yeah, there we go. Well, there we go. Yeah. So that's three podcasts, three mentions, and this will continue forever because that was the best day of my life. Um, then I'm thinking York away, last minute winner in front of the away fans. Superb. Chaos ensues. And that is when that was when Andrew Dober ran on the pitch to celebrate, wasn't it? It was indeed. Halcyon days. That was top notch. April 2013, that was. Just finishing sixth form. So young. So full of life. The next seven years will be hell, young man. Um, and then I'm thinking, so we've got Portsmouth at home on Sky. Do you remember that goal? I do. Yeah, I remember that vividly. I remember I, I was doing a teaching practice in Burnley and I was just checking me checking my phone at lunchtime and it came up. Uh, Stanley reported to be televised. It was a midday kickoff, wasn't it? And yeah, it was It was the first game. Was it the first game of the season, one, I think? I, I remember, because we don't get many midday kickoffs, and they're so disorientating because you pissed out your head, but you wouldn't have even gone on the match yet on a normal day. So you're in the pub like <laughs> half, half two. But we were in the went to Spirit in Aki about ten o'clock and there were loads of Portsmouth fans in. But a few of us Aki went, we'll go down there, we'll have, we'll have some breakfast and a few beers and we'll, we'll potter around. We sat at this table, you know, all of us, you know, as Akron towing as the brick. Copper comes over. You're right, lads. Was in Aki accent, yeah, not so bad. You know where you're going, you know which way it is to the ground, don't you? I, I, I think so, I think we'll be all right, mate. We've only been going, you know, twenty years. Um but yeah, and that, that game, I mean, we went 1-0 up, didn't we? 1-0 up, that was the, the Murphy sort of, did he mean it or not, screamer. Uh, yeah, I'd, oh, well, I've written here, absolutely never intended as a, as a shot. No, I, I think you're right, but I like to believe that it was a shot. Um, yeah. You know, I, I watched that on YouTube so many times, you know, the commentary, interesting, very interesting. 
Yeah, and I think was so. Was it Portsmouth's first game in League Two? If it was the first game of the season, it will be. Yeah, it, it certainly the first they're away game like of the season. That's why on telly, weren't it? The novelty. Yeah, so they were. It was the like it was the first trip to us. Definitely, yeah. they brought loads. Um, I was working in the bar that day behind the home end, and um, it was absolute chaos. Even with the home fans, everyone was just absolutely. <laughs> just yeah. everyone was tanked up. We ended up running out of bottles. Yeah. Um, and then we, well, I think we equalised, didn't we? Later on, with like a, yeah, the, was it, it was like a, we went, it was when everyone ended up in the net. Well, we went one 0 up with that uh, Murphy screamer slash Luke. Uh, then they scored twice. I believe David Connolly scored for them. Uh, Wiley Old Fox. Um, and then, yeah, that old fella. They, they, they were a lot better than us, to be honest. That was these were during the dark beauty days where, you know, we, we had a lot of. Um, rafters and, and sort of cult figures but weren't particularly a, a good football inside and yeah richardson in midfield my michael yeah. richardson was he called yeah and so we, we were grafting and, and they should have been out of sight really and we didn't really create much in the second half as i recall but then uh, like you say stoppage time back post murphy had a, and the old bundle into the net for that sort of iconic image fantastic great days yeah, I mean, it, there's just something sort of fantastic about the memory of Peter Murphy as a player, isn't there? Because like you say, he's he's involved in that, like, that's a period for me where even though we weren't fantastic, that's that's when I truly sort of fell in love and and really loved the club. And there there's so much nostalgia around that. I mean, there were players, weren't they, who they fit the mould of the club at the time. There were players who run through a brick wall. Uh, they weren't on big paydays. We weren't even guaranteed getting paid quite a lot of the time, and they were just, yeah. gra- they were just grafters. I mean, you come away from some games and we lose four 0 three 0 and you go, well, they were just better than us. We've tried. Yeah, right. we're, not, we're not losing for lack of effort. They always had a go, didn't they? Do you know what I mean? Um, it was. They were just sort of out. They were just sort of outclassed at times, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, and they, and they did the job. I mean, I mean that for a ragtag ragtag sort of band of uh, comrades, they they kept us in the league. And that was a brief to keep us in the league. Oh, listen! Like we've said before, we, we were never we were never in a last day relegation no. scrap, were we? No, look at them. They always they, they always did the job, and he, he was just one of them. He'd he'd die for the he'd die for the shirt, and you just got the idea that he he adored playing for Stanley. Um, you know, like from a technical point of view, some would say probably not the most impressive, but. That's not why we remember players like that as fans, is it? He came through, and he came through at the same time as Jay Bell. And people were very cruel, and people said, what the fucking hell, what are these two, what are they doing? And uh, he got his head down, he cracked on. And like you say, it was will over skill, weren't it, really? He just grafted and sort of forced his way into the team through brute force, really. You know? Yeah. I can't remember which other player said it. There was a player who said, uh, Peter Murphy is the only player to tackle an opponent when the ball's in a different postcode. Uh, it's very true. You know, loved a tackle, loved a late goal with Murphy time. I just never give up, never say die. It just epitomised what the club needed at that period in time. Yeah, exactly that. And he's, he's instrumental sort of in a, in like a golden age of, of, of struggle for Stanley, isn't he? Like yeah. underdogs week in, week out, playing in front of nobody, away trips in front of no one. Not knowing if we'd make it through the next month, like even at a time when realistically the town's completely disengaged with the club, and you're not just battling other teams, you're battling Accrington as well at the time. Um, and he's just a real embodiment of of that era, really. And I'll I'll always remember that. Um, 
And, you know, he went to Wickham and did very, very well as well. Yeah, and obviously, he then signed for Morecambe, ended up retiring at, at the grand old age of 27, unfortunately, uh, through injury. And he's currently now involved at Wigan, so I think we'll be seeing him this weekend. Yeah, it'll be good to see him. Good to see him. I don't actually know what role he's doing, but he, I saw him pictured on their Twitter account. I believe he's uh, when a they... great team manager, I think. But, uh, oh, is he? I could be wrong on that, yeah. But, uh, yeah, top lad. Also... Probably the hardest dad of ex-players or current players that I've ever met. Um, Peter Murphy Sr. Did you ever meet him? I don't believe I did. Oh, I may have done. Well, I had the pleasure of a night out in Torquay oh, once with him when I went down with my granddad and my uncle Will. And after the away game, he was he was a terrifying man. Like... <laughs> Absolutely great fella, you know, a, a proper good crack, like proper scouser, proper good laugh, but yeah. just just looking at him thinking he could crush me if he if wanted he, to. If he's choosy, it's choosy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I, he, was with his, um, he was with his daughter at the time who was about the same age as me, I think, and she was going out with um, a youth team player and the, the Murphys are like very well-known Evertonians and... Um, the youth team player was a Liverpool fan and you know there was no Merseyside derby or anything like that but he, this lad like I've never felt as sorry for somebody in my life like he was going out with this psycho's daughter and uh, he was just a whipping boy all night long it was just absolutely hilarious um, but just again adding to that persona of like just real people aren't they you know Salt of the earth people who who were just giving their everything for the football club. So he's my memorable player for this week. Yeah. Do you think you could take uh, Michael Welch's dad in a fight? Ernie Welch? Mm. I mean, that's a tough one because he might be listening. Yeah. Welchy. I'd pay to see it. I'd pay to see it. I mean, maybe we could organise that at the pub in Winsford. That's it, the pub in Winsford. Draw a big chalk circle in the car park. Place your bets. On we go. Cracking. Tops off. Let's go for it. Go for it. Let's live the dream. <laughs> I've gone for somebody a bit... Uh, I've gone for a player that if you asked a lot of Reds, they'd probably put into the top 10 players. Um, and in my opinion, pound for pound is, is you know one of the greatest, one that I've ever seen, and two, probably up there with the best players of the Football League here for Stanley. It's uh, Sir James of Ryan, Jimmy Ryan. Um, magnificent magnificent there's not much that can be said about Jimmy really he had absolutely everything didn't he he had the engine the passing the long range shooting it's testament now that whenever we take a short corner uh, some wag on the clay and then we'll always shout out Jimmy Ryan <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the number of clubs that you've seen subsequently copy that routine as well uh, as you were saying that I was literally just writing down corner yeah yeah. it's what you think isn't it it's not many Stanley players have a set piece named after them but the Jimmy Ryan corner will always live on, won't it? I'd love to know how many we actually scored as well that season. Yeah. I mean, must bad, be four. Must be four. He didn't have a bad ratio for us. He got 22 goals in 129 games. That's just under one in five, which is not too bad for a midfielder. Um, but like you say, you know, you have a rose tinted glassy, but it seemed like we scored those uh, three, uh, those corners all the time. Like it's yeah. a given. Um, and one of those, I think it's testament to Coley as well, that there's a lot of players that leave us. They have the best years of us. He unlocks something in them. 
because if you look at what he's done, Jimmy, he's been on a little sort of a, went to Scunthorpe and Chesterfield, uh, but they had a little bit of a Lancashire tour, obviously like the weather and like the pies, into Fleetwood, Blackpool and Rochdale, but never sort of captured those heights. Um, and I think it's tied in with the nostalgia that I have for that 10-11 that team. So, you know, the, the first playoff team. Yeah, I do. I was doing my GCSEs. Yeah, there's no need to, to make us feel old like that. But um, Well, I mean, come on, you're not that old, that much older. Jesus Christ. Well, it depends if you believe the passport or not. You know, anyway. <laughs> we'll not get into that. But if you need a body disposing, just, just hit me up. But um, <laughs> that team, you've got to understand, the winning League 2 was superb. Um, maybe it's had away from us, fantastic. But the 2011 team literally came from nowhere. We'd had, we've been in the league five years, we'd, we'd done nothing but struggle, really. Um, league two was punching the ball away, and suddenly this, this team, this free flowing, expansive team comes in. And they just, every home game, especially towards the latter end of the season, you knew we were going to win. You'd yeah, we did. And you, just, you knew. And we'd be three, two, three up at half time so many times, over and over again. Putting games to bed with half, you know half an hour in sometimes, and uh, you know I think that was one of the things that that tipped Coley over the edge was seeing that team dismantle because you know if we had been in a position to pay the wages or or keep players on improved contracts that team without a shadow of a doubt would have gone up the season after um, the players they had you know even, even people like you forget about like Sizak in goal you know Steph, yeah. reliable Jimmy Ryan uh, Gornell when he was on fire. You know, from uh, Sean Hesse played forty games that season, absolute rock at the back. Uh, you know, even Phil Edwards. Phil Edwards when he was at his pomp. You know, people you forget, even people like Johnny Bateson, good player, right back. Uh, yeah. Dean Winard when he had sort of his sort of you know Indian summer as well. Um, just a, an entertaining attacking team, and I, I still say on the day that team could beat any team apart from this season. Ironically, that Stanley had put out. That team from 2011 would give the title winners a game, uh, similar to when we talk about the, um, you know, the Crooks era, the 15-16 side. We always, yeah. we always say, don't we, on the day, could it's a, it's a close run thing. They weren't as consistent. That's a different matter. But on the day when they turned up and all the flirt players clicked, George Jacobs, another one instrumental part of that playoff team. Yeah, and lost... I mean, I think they only lost five games all season, that team. Just, uh, which, just which shows how sort of ridiculous that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, I think there, was the two of the starting 11 left the next season? Yeah. yeah. When we started the season six weeks later, <laughs> so... Telling interviews and things like that, but a lot of them didn't want to go. They loved the crack at Stanley, they loved playing for Coley, but, you know, loyalty... It's very much a fan-made construct, isn't it? Uh, if, you're at, if you're at Tesco and ask to double your wage, or, or in that instance, actually pay your wage, you go, don't you? Of course, yeah. And 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 added to certain things that have that have taken players away from Stanley, other than the wages, for example, training grounds, um, just that whole experience of being a professional footballer. I mean, from like say someone like George Jacobson's point of view. It's a good crack getting a minibus down to Wilson's maybe for a season. But then after that, you might think to yourself, I do fancy actually having a decent training ground and, yeah. you know, actually living like a professional footballer. Yeah. Also, that was the year, if you remember that the... Um, so the, the people that laid the pitch pre-season messed it up. 
So the pitch was knackered by like November um, and it had them massive lines in it all the way down. Yeah, you, you forget that, don't you? Because it's a bowling green now, isn't it? You, yeah, it was yeah. incredible. It was like, I remember Buzzer said something like they'd, so something had happened with like the fertilization process or something where they dug drains sort of across the pitch from sort of, um, you know, main stand to cowshed. And something had happened with them where something had gone wrong, basically. And if there was about six huge, just dirt lines right across the pitch, which oh, I mean, yeah. it's like watching a game from like watching games from the seventies. Well, you watch that that Stevenage playoff game. It's it's a fucking potato field. It's yeah, it's absolutely disgusting, and, and and that's testament to that team to play that good football on that pitch at that time. Um, makes their achievements even more incredible, really. You know, just speaking of that Stevenage playoff game, um, you know the one we, we went down to nine men and got beat at home. Um, yeah, I remember again watching. Um, so I, I couldn't go to the the first away game because I had my <laughs> first exam the day after. I remember, um, and I remember watching that game, and they they really did a number on us, didn't they, down yeah, there? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't speak of that game. That was when I, uh, yeah, trapped myself to a box of wine, and it didn't end, didn't end well. Um, that was. Um, I remember we missed. Was it Jimmy Ryan and Sean McConville banged into each other? Yeah, yeah. Uh, about six yards out ball. and missed an open yeah, net. Yeah. But it, um, we got back to the crowd. You got to remember the home form was scintillating, so we still thought we'd win. We thought we'll just smash these at the crown. But you got to see this. I was looking at the uh, the match reports, and I found a brilliant match report from uh, the Lancashire Telegraph. And I don't know who wrote it; it doesn't tell you, but it's, it's so bitter it could have been written by a fan. Just listen to this; absolutely brilliant. All right. So let's crack this open. Right. This wasn't the way it was supposed to end. Given their own poem in the latter half of the campaign, Stanley was supposed to blow away Stevenage and finish in a blaze of glory. Then you go a bit further down. Instead, one that of the best ever seasons ended. It is ended with a brace of red cards and recriminations. And then it talks about Stevenage later on, and it goes, nothing wrong with their ambition, but after nine months of playing long ball football, it wouldn't be a surprise if Stevenage fans had sore necks and were lying in the pockets of Hartford Chicago practice. Every time one of their players received the ball, it was as though they were thinking, how far and how high can I kick this thing? Although that was, although that was their prerogative, the more unappetising aspect of their play was the petty gamesmanship and time-wasting throughout. Three times in the first half, challenges from Stanley's players ended with visitors on the floor for prolonged periods. If they don't go up this season, they can certainly apply for roles as extras in the next war epic. Superb. Whoever that is that, magnificent. Whoever wrote that should be knighted on the spot. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. That's fantastic. I mean that that as well. That they did they did obviously go up, didn't they? And they had a couple of years in League One. Uh, Darius yeah, Charles played yeah, in that side. I remember he was their main man, wasn't he, on that night? And I remember Corley as well. Corley after came out and said, um, I don't quite know how they've done that job on us, but they've got away with it, so fair play to them. And that was like a a little dig. At, obviously, Graham Wesley was the manager, wasn't he? Oh, Graham Wesley was the absolute king of the dark arts, wasn't he? You know, uh, play acting, tactical water breaks in the middle of November when it was freezing. Um, you know, it was it was hoofball central, wasn't it? 
Um, the sort of stuff you absolutely love if you're a fan as oh, well, yeah, yeah. if it's your team. I, well, this was before the, the sort of social media craze that they call shithousery now. Uh, people, yeah. people will be all over that now. Absolute, you know. It was like he got Ashley Barnes from Burnley, cloned him 11 times and put him in every position. They were shithouse FC, weren't they? And fair play to him. If we'd have done it, you'd be bugging, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean... If- I mean, and it sums his his personality up, isn't it? When that quote, when he took a Preston uh, players meeting and he said, "My kids don't call me dad; they call me medal winner." Jesus wept, and the only thing he'd yeah. won were the the League Two playoffs. <laughs> yeah, he means he's always been a bit of a dodgy prick. I mean, he did that thing at Farnborough, didn't he? So when he was Matt Farnborough manager, they got to the you know the third or fourth round of the FA Cup. Might have been a bit further actually, but whatever round they got to, they drew Arsenal. It was Farnborough yeah. v Arsenal. He got it moved to Highbury instead of Farnborough's ground. And then he pocketed a load of the money, saying the club owed him money. And then he fucked them off, went to Stevenage, took half the Farnborough lads with him, and then Farnborough dropped back a stone. Uh, just left a trail of destruction wherever he's gone. My favourite was at Newport. He was at Newport for a bit, wasn't he? And uh, yeah. he fucked them over, and they were languishing at the bottom of the table. So Michael Flynn comes in, does the great escape, keeps them up on the last day of the season with a late winner. Graham Wesley... Yeah, I signed a lot of those players, so I'm partially to thank for that for that success. Oh God, I remember. I've, if you listen to a Under the Cosh podcast with John Parkin, oh, yeah. he says that he's when he was at Newport. Parkin was at Newport for a very very short space of time, and Wesley used to have them doing like like make believe weights. So if me and you just stood there and did like shadow weights, do you know like? Cracked on as if we were doing weights, but there was nothing in our hands. Right. Okay. So apparently, yeah, apparently he's just like stark raving loony, complete psychopath. Yeah, you can get away with that for a short periods of time, can't you? So it's, 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 it reminds me of when uh, De Canio, I think when he was at Sunderland, the chairman, their chairman described it as management by hand grenade. Uh, it does work, yeah. you know, for a small while, short, sharp shot get, gets in the players' faces, but the professional footballers, Especially if you've never played at the highest level or at professional level, they'll just take the piss out of you. Well, I think that goes to show with his record, really. So when it, when he went to Preston, he didn't last there because the the players have got a little bit more about them, haven't they? Yeah. And they don't want to be playing that oofball shite. Yeah. So, um, and and also, don't trust a man over the age of thirty with that much gel in his hair. That's very true. Yeah. So if you're, the writing's on the wall. If you're listening, medal winner, go fuck yourself. <laughs> We had we did get a bit of a bit of feedback from a Stevenage fan, didn't we, after the first podcast? Yeah. Yeah. On Twitter. Thanks, it was man. soon deleted by the individual. But I'll just echo that. If you are listening, fuck you. Okay then. So moving on. Uh Jimmy Ryan then. Things that pop into my head with Jimmy, great memories were Morecambe Away New Year's Day. And Morecambe at home. <laughs> you know, I've actually written we're, written a book, 2011 Morecambe winner. I've written that down. Because um, I knew that. Black before. kit. I think we're, we're in a black yeah. kit. A black Joma kit, yeah. Yeah. Great days. Combined stabilisation. Living the dream. Yeah, the, uh, literally the only thing that I've written down for him is Morecambe away, Morecambe at home, Jimmy Ryan corner. The thing is, we've got a 10-year spell where I can give you any player and you can write down Morecambe away, Morecambe home. <laughs> well, do you know what? So, I mean, well, I, I, I was going to have it as my memorable player. I was going to have Brian Hughes. Yeah, yeah, use it. Yeah, but 
like you say, Josh Cook bingo. Yeah. I'm getting a bit sick of hearing myself yeah. say Morecambe now. I did love that because um, we were still, we still have that thing when we signed Brian Hughes of, oh, he's, he's playing in Prem. Yeah. yeah. That sort of awe about sort of players who, you know, played at higher levels than us. Um, and there's a there's a really good YouTube video of him scoring an absolute screamer for Birmingham, and I remember just watching that and just being like, "Oh my god, we're like we've signed Nessie." Yeah, yeah. He's, he's... And they came. He looked like a sort of skinny Noel Gallagher, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He was like thirty-five when he turned out for us, though, weren't he? He was at the tail end, but he were a, he were a class act. When he, when he got his foot on the ball, you could see, you know, you could see his caliber. And like you say, it was quality. You get that quality. It was a quality goal as well. That winner at. Uh, at Morecambe. Yeah, there's a great picture of me, topless, full afro back in the day, leaning over the hall, <laughs> leaving, leaning over the hoardings, just bear hugging Andy Proctor. Um I'm sure he appreciated I'm sure that. He did, I'm sure he did, I'm sure he loved it. Yeah. Just just quality days, weren't they? They were, I think recently Brian's gone to, I think he was at Wrexham for a bit as manager, yeah, wasn't he? For a bit, wasn't he at Wrexham, yeah. I think the story with that was as well that he, so he he came to us for like a part of a season or or, or I don't think it was a full season was it? Who was it? I think he signed for us full time. He signed for us for the for the rest of the season. He just didn't didn't stay very long because he was yeah. When when um when Coley left, when we had the they called had the HRH collaboration. So for one game, I think it was the Gillingham. Might have even been the Gillingham. Might have even been the Gillingham seven four win. Don't quote me on that. It was Richardson, Phil Hackney, and Brian Hughes. That was a management team for one game. And obviously, Liam Allen to get the job full-time. So he was here for a little while, but not as well as, as I'd like to have seen him. Yeah, I think, do you know what? I think the story with that goes as well. I mean, I heard that, I think he, he sort of stopped answering his phone to Liam Richardson's calls when he was trying to get him back for an extra season as a player. I, don't, I think he'd had enough of like playing for on that Stanley training pitch and training on Wilsons and places yeah. like that. You've got to get to you after a while. Of course it does, especially if you're 30-odd, mid-30s, knees like uh, glass. Yeah. yeah. But Jimmy Ryan, Peter Murphy, very much two players that go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, certainly, well, in our time watching the club, absolutely. Two players that you'd, I bet they're a class pint as well, them two. Holidays are coming, holidays are coming, holidays are coming, holidays are coming. A cooked goose for everybody. Hello, everybody. It's Josh here. Do you have a Stanley Mad family member who loves listening to raw milk? Then I've got the perfect gift for you. Grab your loved ones their very own raw milk mug this Christmas, perfect for those winter days and nights in front of I Follow. Fanzines are also available. Just drop us a message on social media to find out more. I hope you have a good Christmas, and if I don't see you, a happy new year as well. Up the Reds. Okay then, so, memorable matches. Um... Do you want to do the honours go first this time, or yeah, should we I go back to so, me? So, you know, like you said last time, if this was the uh, if I had some kind of time travel sound effect, I'd put it in now. Uh, yes, cast your mind back to the dark, um, the dark days of the thirteenth of September two thousand and six. Stanley first season in the football league, as we said last week when I picked the Barnet game, we got off to a bit of a rocky start. So we're six games in. Uh, we've won one, just that Barnet win. Lost four. 
drawn two. Um, and the game is looking a bit... Won one, lost four, drawn two. Yeah. Right. Looking a little bit like, you know, is this our level? Uh, did we get lucky with the Barnet win? Should we really be here? You know, all those thoughts start to creep in, don't they? Uh, yeah. That, that, that evening, it was a Tuesday night game, we're playing a Wrexham team at the Crown. They've not lost. They've won three, drawn three. Yeah, they're expected to be up there. They're expected to be challenging. Um, our first European game since Colwyn Bay three years prior. So we're back at uh, back in European football under the lights, <laughs> and everything went against the script in our favour for once, and we got a five 0 win. And I remember it very, very vividly. But there's so many trademark aspects to this five 0 win. So the first goal, just before half time, actually. Uh, we only went in at half-time 1-0. But uh, Sean Doherty, who I apologise for calling chocolate ankles last week, uh, <laughs> shoots from the edge of the box, keeper saves it, Mullin tapping, absolute poachers, Paul Mullin goal. And then two things that we'd come to see a lot that season, uh, a Cav-free kick and uh, a Craney, Ian Craney direct goal from a corner because he went through a period of shooting from corners, didn't he? And we got quite a few goals that way. Oh, my God, I'd forgotten about yeah. that. Yeah, he got a few from there. Yeah. And then two from Gary Roberts, who obviously wasn't to stay at the Crown for much longer. Uh, great player though he was. So one line at half time, come out, absolutely run riot, four goals in the second half, win 5 0. And uh, their fans and players were adamant that the floodlights helped them, helped us, sorry, because we had such poor floodlights uh, and they were playing in black. And I found a, a, a comment today on, the, on one of the Wrexham sort of message boards and they were talking about sort of historic. You know, games are sort of infamous for the wrong reasons. Uh, yeah. A few of the Accrington game. And the, one of the top comments was, the Accrington game was a disgrace. Uh, those bloody floodlights. We couldn't see to the edge of our own penalty box from the away end. And then uh, somebody else put, we got beat 5-0, but what do you expect when you're playing black shirts and the game's held under candlelight? Uh, <laughs> they, they, weren't, they weren't very happy with our, uh, our floodlights at the time. And later on that season, we did actually get them upgraded as well. So I do remember a, a, there was a bit of um, they were a bit of a contentious issue them floodlights for a little while weren't they? Yeah, yeah. and uh, a topic of conversation to say the least. Well, I, I mean, how, that message board what fourteen years later is still getting spoken about? Yeah. So again, um, I think they were just talking about dreadful away days, and, and you know I was there type things. Um, typed in English not well, so thanks for that, lads. But. Uh, yeah, we changed the floodlights pretty soon after. We changed the bulbs, upgraded them, so they must have put some kind of, you know, ruffled some kind of feathers. Um, but yeah, just a great day. I mean, knowing the club back then, the floodlights were probably definitely illegal. Yeah, yeah. But you can think of it now, though. If you picture that where the cow shed was, so we used to have the three sets of floodlights, didn't we, along the yeah, we did. corner, one in the middle. If you think, they used to project sort of patches of light. Like, you didn't get any even coverage like we do now. It's really, I do remember that, yeah. You know, it's like a bowling green now. It's like bright green at night in night games, isn't it? Whereas there was a bit you could almost see like when you shine a torch on the floor and you see the circle. It was almost like a multitude of that rather than a big yeah, it was. big light coverage. Anyway, enough of the handy handy sort of tech talk. Uh, that game sticks in my mind because you know it was when we finally felt like we, we belonged to me. Like we've beat an established team five 0 hang on, we could actually do something. We could have a go this year. We don't have to be cannon fodder. We might stay up. And, uh, you know, as it transpired, even on that season, the closest we've come. But even then, it didn't go to the last day. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... 
I mean, that's the like the nearly nearly the closest we've been as as we've said before, isn't it? But yeah, yeah so five 0 winning in uh, against European opposition, you can't really uh, can't really beat that, really. Excellent, mate. A game that will live long in the memory. I think. Do you know? I mean, like I say, I I was very young back then. I seem to. I think I do remember that game. Was there? A, there was a, quite a few away fans, wasn't there? Yeah, I looked at the gate. It was uh, two thousand seven hundred and sixty-four, and about eight right. hundred away fans. So you're just under two thousand happy as well, which was which was good for us at the time. Um, yeah, because I seem to remember. I used to sit in that corner yeah. over by uh, Jeff Eap's gate right near the away fans. So I used to always just, a lot of the games that I remember from that period are when there was a decent amount, a, a decent following, because I had the feeling that this were a big game. Yeah. Well, it would have looked busy because we didn't have the the, the, the copy centre a lot smaller, didn't have that metal extension at the back. Yeah, very true. Or 800 on would have been, you know, a shoulder-to-shoulder job. Um yeah, great day. Just with um, stadium upgrades in mind, you've just mentioned the floodlights there. I mean, just correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember at one point we had square goalposts. Yeah, yeah, we uh, had those in the Unibond. Yeah. Once you got into that the- is like, like when I first started watching, I remember them. Yeah, I just they, think. Yeah, they were, they, were, they were flat as opposed to curved. Yeah, so you get the crossbar, it came straight back to your happy days. Um, but yeah, we, got, we had to get rid of those. Um, when we got into the conference. Jesus. It's strange little things that uh, yeah, pop yeah. into your mind. Yeah, a top, top-notch night and probably, like you say, looking back, maybe the night that Stanley arrived in the Football League yeah. and sort of made people sit up and notice us again. Yeah, awesome, mate. Well, let's move. Go on then. Last thing on that. No, I just remember, I think it was uh, I think it was Plum at the time. Um, do you know the, the iconic speech, you know, in Norway beat England? Uh, like the eight, yes, and, and the guy goes through all the English people, Margaret Thatcher, such a body, such a body. Your voice took one hell of a beating, yeah, like an iconic football moment. I think it was Plum was just naming random Welsh people, so he stood there going like Charlotte Church, Tommy Cooper, Tom Jones, Shirley Bassey. Your voice took one <laughs> hell of a beating, <laughs> very vividly as well. So, fair play to him, decent. Uh... <laughs> I can just picture him saying that as well. Yeah. Uh, right, so, mate, so on to mine then. Uh, we'll put that in again. So, 10th of March 2009, uh, a young Joshua Cook has just turned 14 on the 6th and he is making his way on a Tuesday night to Macclesfield Town to watch Accrington Stanley. The game would finish 2-0, do you remember this game at all before I start talking about it? You know, until you met, I have very little memory of it at all. I remember travelling yeah. to Mac on a, on a Tuesday night, but I, I don't, I don't remember much. When I think of Mac, I always think of the. Um, do you remember the three-three with a later McGiven overhead kick? That's the one I, I remember of. But we'll uh, maybe. We'll Is that the up. was that the last minute we scored? Probably that was one, yeah, the last minute. No, it was three-three, and I think it was Mangan Mangan equalising last minute. Andy Mangan. And as he runs along the touchline, oh yeah, it was Mangan. Yeah, as he runs along the touchline, Paul Lynch tries to trip him up, and then uh, Andy Mangan, yeah. Andy Mangan jumps over his leg, and Kipax has got a great picture of like Paul Paul Lynch looking like um, forlorn, and it's Andy Mangan turning around, pointing, laughing at him. Uh, yeah, that that picture used to be in the Crown, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's later McGiven. Um, yeah, I remember the cross came in the box. He he tried a scissor kick. Missed, got up and did an overhead kick, and the overhead kick went in. 
and uh, great game again. Just we had a, we had a good little we had a good little record at the old Moss Rose. Well, so uh, another one that I remember just before I go into the actual one that I, I've picked um, is the Friday night game. Do you remember that? In that year, that was the year when we, in the Stevenage game that we were just previously talking about there, we went there on a Friday night yeah. when we were absolutely flying and they scored a last-minute equaliser that was offside. Did uh, Did Joe Jacobson score a free kick? Yes, I think George Jacobson scored a free kick and then Andy Proctor scored after that. But that's just off the top of my head. Might be incorrect with that one. But I remember they scored late on and it was offside. Let me have a look. Friday. Was it two apiece? Two apiece, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They got close range, injury time equaliser. Who scored for Stanley? Let's have a look. Uh, Proctor. I think it's Proctor. They went 1 0 up. They were leading most of the game. Uh, Proctor, 73rd minute. Uh, Phil Edwards, Penn, 79th minute. And then uh, they equalised in the 93rd minute. Stoppage time. Gits. Selfish. It were. They ruined a good night there. Uh, that lives long in the memory because I had all my mates from school coming on the coach with me. And my good friend Jack Smith, who might be listening to this, actually couldn't go because he got uh, suspended from school for punching someone in the bollocks that day. As you do. Great memories. Anyway, so the match that I've actually chosen in 2009 is a little bit like the Morecambe game that we spoke about other week. Um, It was a bit of a nothing game, really. I mean... Well, I, I remember us going there and sort of were locked in that around that time where we were sort of flirting with the drop zone, but we always seemed to get out of it around March, April, didn't we? Before before it really got into it in the latter months of the season, uh, so we went there on a Tuesday, and it just really, like I say, it's really really strange the things that you remember um, from growing up, but. I remember it was sort of the first away game that me and Dom uh, Dom Lang went on together uh, because we were just kids, really. So we were 14, got the coach on our own, jumped on there. And I remember that all the way to Macclesfield, we were in deep conversation with uh, Stephen O'Mara and Cam Hartley about FIFA and just, you know, what teams we can, chose can, on can, FIFA. Can say how much I enjoyed that, that sentence then of, all the way to Macclesfield. All that way. <laughs> all that way to Cheshire. No one from Accrington's ever been to Cheshire. There's one man. One man's been to Altrincham. We call him the Wanderer. And we all seek his advice once a week. <laughs> so, yeah, we, all right then. Sarcastic bastard. So, when you're younger, 40 minutes seems a lot longer, doesn't it? So all the way there, we're locked in conversation about FIFA. And the only reason that I remember the game really is, so we scored our first goal on 42 minutes. Uh, Robbie Williams scored. And it was like a tapping at the back post. But that was on the 42nd minute. And the whole way through the first half, if you remember at Macclesfield, it, if, if there weren't that many of you, they sat you in the side stand, didn't they? Yeah. Now, behind the away fans were their offices. And I don't know if you were there that night, but that night I was on the back row and there was a full team of people working in this office and we could just see them all. 
So we spent the whole of the first half just banging on the glass at him. Just being absolute morons. People of all ages, lads, we were young lads, you know, but people like John Timmins, Jason Graham, everyone's just banging on the glass behind us to the to the point where these these poor girls that were working in the office, they looked like they were going to cry. They were absolutely infuriated with us. And then we score on 42, and it's, it's a really, really good celebration because, like I say, I mean, they were a bit of a shit side as well, like us, so it felt like a bit of a big game. Um, and I remember going down to go to the toilet at half-time, and I remember the stewards... Um, waiting outside the toilet for me and telling me that if I banged on the glass in the second half that I'd be ejected from the ground. And there was like four of these big stewards. And I just remember, when I look back at that now, I remember thinking, oh yeah, imagine picking on a 14-year-old kid when there's a full stand of grown men. Um, So in the second half, I moved seats and went into the the middle of the stand because I was shitting myself about getting chucked out. Um, and then, yeah, so later on that, the, the game sort of descends into this sort of tight encounter, and then Procky scores again on 89 minutes. And another reason why this game is really, really memorable in my eyes is there's a really famous... Well, it might not be that famous, but there's an excellent Kipax picture of the celebration at Macclesfield. It sort of took right in front of the stand, and um, I'll tweet it out when this goes out. But it's an iconic Stanley picture of everyone celebrating. Um, Anyone who's anyone is sort of pictured on there, all the familiar faces. And with that in mind, because I'd moved seats from where I was in the first half, I'm just off camera, unfortunately. Uh, So, yeah, that's my memorable uh, game. We ended up on 50 points that year. So we we hit that magic fifty, um, we hit that magic fifty point, and we finished sixteenth uh, with thirteen wins, eleven draws, and twenty two defeats. Um, so yeah, just a, a game that came to my mind today when I was thinking about it. it. Doesn't really mean much in terms of like how historic it would be for the club, but just a few little events that took place here and there, which means that 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 game really lives long in my memory. Do you have any memory of it after I've described it or not? I I do. I think I do, actually. It's the banging on the glass that I tend to remember and looking at the people in uh, in the offices that sort of triggered it. Um, But we always had a good... I always enjoyed it, though. It was relatively close, local game, uh, tired little ground. You never got any bother off their fans. We seemed to do quite well there. It was that halcyon time when... Like League Two was basically Division Four North. Like we had so many teams in a, like an hour's radius, um, yeah, and a lot of them sort of dropped out sadly into the, into non-league, and you know others went up. And by the time we got out of League Two, it was a very you know predominantly Southern League and have been for a long time. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't remember that game per se. Like I say, but, maybe you'll know yeah. you'll know the picture if I um I get that up for you. Yeah, I'll have a look because. I remember that was doing the rounds at the time and people were sending it round to each other, so maybe you're on that. Yeah. Uh, the Stanley team that night, Kenny Arthur, yeah. Peter Cavanna, Kieran Charnock, Phil Edwards, Craig Linfield, John Miles, Paul Mullen, Andrew Proctor, Jimmy Ryan, Chris Turner and Robbie Williams. And Sean Hesse and Paul Morgan were playing for Macclesfield that night. Yeah. 
So there we go. Memorable matches and memorable players. Two to go into the vault there from both of us. Uh, and I think that'll just do about do it, won't it? Yeah, hopefully. Just a very quick word about the uh, the Portaloo Chicken Tikka side of Vinegar Cup. Uh, Lincoln away. About as tough a tie as we could have asked for in that, really. I wanted a home draw, an easy passage. But uh, we'll see how we go with that, I suppose. It's the hope that gets you in it. I've, I've, I've sort of psyched myself up for that competition this week after Tuesday night's result. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a shit, I'll tell you it's what, a shit draw. If we win that, um, if, we, if we do win that, then I'll uh, I'll raise my interest level slightly in that tournament. That's fair enough, isn't it? I'd say so, yeah. yeah. Um, but like you say, I mean, the, the only good thing about that competition left is there's only one under-21 team left in it as well at the minute. Yeah. So hopefully they... And they only won on penalties, so hopefully they yeah. get kicked out in the next I mean, round. We had a Papa John's. Leicester. We had a Papa John's in Accrington and it closed, so it would bring it full circle if we were to then be allowed to, to win said competition. It would go some way to making it up for uh, closing his shit pizza shopping, Aki. Um, Papa would be fuming money. Yeah. Yeah, would Papa would be all over it, Observer, You know, you'd be doing interview doing with your press pack. Be all over it. <laughs> Stick that in your stuff, crust, you dickhead. Thank you for tuning into Raw Milk. Our theme music is Mr. Powder by Deja Vega. Our producer is Scott Bolton. Follow us at Raw Milk Zine on Twitter and Instagram and Raw Milk Fanzine on Facebook. You can also download, subscribe and like all of our podcasts at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Up the Reds! Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.